going to take it. Got it! Boston wins! Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, welcome into another edition of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, none other than uh, Robert Ryan and uh, Jeff Goodman. And Bob is joining us from the plush estates, uh, the Ryan estates in Hingham, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm in Newburyport, Mass, and it is getting uh, a little chilly here uh, in our state, Bob. Winter has arrived, yes. It's uh, not technically it's December 21st, but it's here. You know that. Yeah, luckily, uh, I'm headed uh, to some warmth. I'm headed to see a kid named Anthony Edwards, uh, Uh Georgia. Could be the number one overall pick tomorrow. Very good. They play Georgia Tech. And then I'm going to head down to uh, Charleston for a tournament there in Myrtle Beach. So I'll I'll at least be getting some good meals and some sun, hopefully, (laughs) in Charleston. I'll be be holding down the home fort for you. Don't worry. What are you going to be doing? What's what's the Bob Ryan life like the next few days? I I am uh, going on Wednesday night, I'm very happy to say, uh, for the annual tradition at the Boston Garden and the the Sports Museum's annual uh, honoring of of athletes. And I'm going to be a a part of the program because I am presenting Paul Silas, uh, who's coming up from his home in North Carolina with his family uh, to be honored for uh, maybe it was brief, but it was an impactful four years in Celtic history from 1972, 73 through 75, 76, which included two championships, a 68 win season and a loss in the Eastern Conference finals. Uh, uh, they had a real shot at four in a row. They got two. And uh, Paul Silas was an instrumental part of that of that run. And, you know, he always says he played 16 years in the NBA and the only four anybody remembers are the four in Boston. Well, that's not quite true, but it's a good stump speech for, you know, for him to make. <laughs> All right, so let, let's move on to what I think is the biggest story in the NBA uh, these days, and I think that is none other than uh, James Harden uh, yeah. and what he's doing with the Rockets. They won eight straight. Uh, he's averaging nearly 40 a game. 40. That's Wilt territory now. You know, It is. It is, and That's- it's not a shock because, again, we know Harden can score uh, and can score in every way uh, imaginable. But the big question mark was obviously how were Harden – um, and Westbrook going to coexist. Yes. You know, a year ago, I remember seeing them in Indiana um, early on in the season last year, and they were under 500 early and asking Mike mm-hmm. D'Antoni kind of what, you know, what's the issue here? How long do you think it's going to take to figure this thing out and get going? And they had a bunch of injuries. But as of mid-December last year, Bob, the Houston Rockets were 500 team. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, they're second in the West. I think they're a game behind the Lakers. And they're rolling, and they're far ahead of schedule what anybody thought uh, when when you threw Harden and Westbrook together because everybody thought, oh, there's only one basketball. These guys are ball dominant. Uh, They seem to have figured it out pretty well early uh, with those two guys, especially Eric Gordon's hurt now. I think the key was going to have to be that, as amazing as it sounds, that Westbrook was going to have to humble himself. He was moving into the other guy's house not, you know, and that way. And he had to just had to accept that or else it wasn't going to work. So it appears that to some degree he has. I'm looking at the numbers. Um, he's, he's not he's close. I mean, he's 
he's not averaging a triple double yet this year, you know. <laughs> he's not, but he's he's averaging nice number, twenty one points a game, uh, seven eight. You know, he's fine. Harden, it's just off the chart. It's it's more than ever. It's it's his show. And and I, I, to some degree, I mean, you have to give Russell Westbrook credit for accommodating himself to that. He was going to have to do it, Jeff. It was going to work. He was going to, and if he didn't, it wasn't going to work. And I guess that's all we can say. The other thing about them was interesting when they when Capella when Capella went down last year, I loudly proclaimed that this is a loss they could not sustain because there was nobody else to fit that job description on the roster. And yet they did survive, which proved I was wrong about that that it, it's as it's important as he is it was clear as long as Harden kept doing what he was doing they were going to survive but what he's doing we're talking Jordan Wilt territories when you're talking when the first digit of an average is threatening to be a four this has only happened in the league once before and that was Will Chamberlain two different times the one thing I'll say about Russ West, Russell Westbrook is he gets a bad rap in a sense because he can be difficult to deal with he can be ball dominant he's not a great shooter at all However, I do think ultimately what Westbrook wants more than anything else is to win. And you watch him and you can see it with that kind of intensity. And even after a game, if you're talking to a post game and they lose, he is miserable. It doesn't matter whether he went for 40 or 10. He's miserable. If they win, he's generally in a good mood. Whether, again, he goes for 10 or 40. Well, that's important. That's highly important. That's the way it should be. Yep. And it's the only way it was, it was going to work. Uh, by the way, he's come out in a very nice public uh, statement about his admiration for uh, Harden yep. and what, what Harden is doing. And I'm, and, and I'm just going to quote here. Uh, he said, a lot, I think a lot of people want to normalize what James Harden is doing. He said, it's not normal. <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he said, there's nobody else that can do it. And, of course, we go back to what um, Mike D'Antoni has said as him being the greatest offensive player that he's certainly one, obviously, that he's ever coached, but clearly that he's even ever seen. And when I, when he first said that last year, you know, a lot of us wanted to scoff, you know, because of our distaste for the style of play that Harden. This is part of the story, which is why it's such a fascinating story, you know, as there, there's never been a player accomplishing what he's accomplished that has irritated so many people simply because they don't like the way it looks, you know? Uh, I don't mind it. Listen, I, I enjoy basketball. So however you're going to get it done, I have a high appreciation for it, whether it's Michael Jordan and and the freak athleticism and and you know Wilt uh, doing it mostly in the post, Harden doing it without you know the highest level of athleticism, but really doing it using angles, getting oh. to the line. He obviously can shoot the ball from deep. So I I really like Harden in that respect. Uh, I don't understand these people that come out and hammer him. Well, the people seem to resent the idea that he gets to the line. You know, the idea they, you know, whether they call it flopping or whatever it is he does, it, it to me it's a throwback ability that guys oh. have had over the certain people have had it over the years. They've known um, Paul Pierce had it to a degree, uh, and I that's why I say and uh, Ginobili had it to a degree, and I, I say that I've, that they were uh, combinations of the 50s and the 21st century players, and then to that degree, yeah. Harden is too. This ability to get to the line, his box scores, and you know I'm a box score freak. His box scores are just eternally fascinating and nightly on a nightly basis you know 12 18 you know whatever uh, and i mean and, and and more than any player you know historically he's in the very small list of players that routinely has more free throws than field goals in games and and that's a skill that's an incredible skill 
Yeah, I mean, eight straight games with 35 plus, <laughs> averaging uh, 39, 39 points per game in the yes. first 14 games, Bob. And uh, all his numbers are, are, are up. Uh, you know, his shooting percentages are down a bit, um, but he had some bad games early. He had some really bad games yeah, right. to start the season. Over the last, like, eight games, again, he, he's been incredible. And the, the big question is, is the supporting cast going to be strong enough, right? P.J. Tucker, I love. Like uh, the, the key really has been uh, Daniel House has been terrific. Uh, who's a kid who played at uh, Texas A&M. I mean, he bounced around in the NBA a little bit. Yeah. Not too many people know a lot about oh, him, no. but he's been really good so as far they, this year. As they and they need Eric as they used to say, he used to, he was, he could stump the panel on what's my line, Daniel House, if he walked into a room of basketball fans. Eric Gordon, another flashpoint player, right? Yeah. Another hot button issue player, right? I mean, uh, people have their opinions about him and 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 his stability as a player and his erratic nature and his you know can you rely on him? That 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 that's a big it, it's a legitimate question. You know what's interesting? How many people thought going into the year that Mike D'Antoni was dead man walking? And now yeah. it looks like, all right, he's figuring we, this thing we out, have right? To mention, you mentioned the eight games in a row of 35. They're eight W's in a row is what exactly. we, we were talking about here. So that's, and the, that's what I'm that's, saying. Yeah. And Tony gives freedom. He's the mellowest coach you'll ever be around. I mean, it, it does nothing rattles this guy, nothing at no. all. Um, and I think that helps guys like Westbrook, like Harden. You know, in the NBA these days, especially. You need you need a players coach. You need somebody. We were talking to Rick Carlisle when he came in um, last week a little bit about how how it's changed now and how you deal with a player. And he was talking about Luca and said like, listen, yeah, I had to change in terms of how I'm going to coach Luca. I can't I can't overcoach him. I gotta allow him to be him and and let him play with freedom. And Mike D'Antoni is almost like the ultimate at that of letting guys go. Let's take a 20 very quickly. Luka Doncic on last evening, uh, 40 point triple double. Not bad. So, oh, and then this is the ESPN is so hard, hung up on the youngest. He's the youngest. This the young. All right. So another young milestone with his numbers last night, ladies and gentlemen, for Luka Doncic. But um, he he's extraordinary. But uh, Mike D'Antoni, for people that really want to get an insight into Mike D'Antoni, Jack McCallum wrote a wonderful book years ago called Seven Seconds to Shoot about his year uh, hanging around the, the, the uh, Suns, the year they might very well have won if there wasn't an injury to Stoudemire. Or, or the suspension, whatever the hell it was that year. Now, there was a problem. They were damn good enough to win that year. It's closest that Mike D'Antoni has come so far. Well, you know, he's come close. And there was a question as to whether he could ever win, if he's ever going to coach defense and all. But in t- but you get a good insight into his thought process and, and uh, uh, what, what, a, what a, a really interesting uh, fellow Mike D'Antoni is. So the Rockets, a little bit of a surprise, but not that much. I mean, they've got the, the talent. They've got two of the top 10 players' talents in the league. But uh, the Miami Heat oh, are, are nine go. and three, Bob. Nine and three. I know they got Jimmy Butler. I get it. Like, Jimmy's terrific, but I always thought Jimmy would be, you know, really ultimately is a good number two guy mm-hmm. for a team that wants to to win a ton of games and be a, a top seed or one of the top seeds um, in, in the playoffs. But right now they're nine and three. And, and what Eric Spolstra has done, because first of all, you got to handle, you got to be able to handle Jimmy Butler. And there's mm. a lot of teams that don't want Jimmy Butler and, and pass on Jimmy Butler, Celtics included, to some extent, because of his 
uh, locker room uh, antics, I guess, are the best way of putting it. The Minnesota behavior left a sour taste in a lot of people's minds and scared off a lot of people. The, the way he willed himself out of Minnesota was was very uncomfortable yeah. in the eyes. Why right? don't you agree? And very distasteful yeah. to a lot of NBA old guard people. And and he uh, so that that put him in a, 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 a certain category. Uh, you know, in the Philadelphia, that that specifically did it. And Philly, I don't know, not so much, but but that, but he is a very talented player. You're right. The, um, he he was kind of toxic. And so, but things seem to be working out very well in Miami. Miami, oh, you're, it's the composition of this roster is fascinating. I mean, uh, don't I mean, disparage you, Duncan Robinson. I'm, I'm well, not, whatever oh, you do, don't you? Oh, who can't? You gotta love the Duncan. I know somebody that loved the Duncan Robinson story. My friend Dick Quinn out in Williams, where he got started. That's right. Williams College. Transfers to Michigan, and then he winds up having a substantial role now on an NBA team. Uh, but the, the youth in this team, the rookies, uh, Chris, uh, uh, Tyler Hero, you know, who was, uh, you know, uh, and and uh, then, of course, the mystery guest for a lot of people, Kendrick Nunn, which He's is come uh, down to earth a little bit. But, yeah. you know, I, I like the roster in a sense that um, it's Jimmy's team, which Jimmy wants. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody else kind of falls in line with that. And it's a good blend of youth and experience. And and guys who are playing with their potential. I mean, like Myers Leonard is jacking Myers making threes at a crazy rate, and he's got help inside with Bam Adebayo, who's a rebounding machine, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Tyler Hero, as you mentioned, Justice Winslow's hurt, but he yeah. comes in. He's just kind of a jack of all trades type guy who can um, do a little bit of everything. And you know, you, you got Dragic coming off the bench now That's and being a key okay thing. with it. That's a key thing. He anchors a second, gives him a second unit uh, of, of substance, and he's willing to do this at his age, which is good. He should be, but he is. He's doing it. That's a that's a very important part of this mix. Uh, another guy that just found a nice home now, Kelly Olynyk. Solid role guy. He's found a home. Found a home. You know, and the last time we saw him, of course, in Boston, he was throwing 25 points in a playoff game. You know, three years, a couple of years ago. But he had to go. He had to be. He had to be sacrificed. You know, in a uh, cap deal so they could get some. And he's found a niche. And I'm, and and you know, he's a useful player. Uh, how about this new net? Oh, I got to admit, I knew nothing. Chris Silva. This is like oh, a revelation. South Carolina. This is a revelation. I didn't remember him or anything else. And so another guy, uh, I, I would dare, uh, dare I say off the scrap heap, right? Oh, no, you can say off the scrap heap because Frank Martin was ready to kill him a year ago <laughs> at the start of his senior year. He was awful, atrocious. He came in with a lot of hype uh, because he, he was on that the Final Four team for South Carolina a couple of years ago. But ultimately, he had a disappointing first half of the year, bounced back, and absolutely Absolutely. Nobody thought in a million years that he would be playing a significant role. And again, that's where I think Spo is one of those guys early on. It was, well, he's just a mouthpiece, right? He's just, oh. you know, LeBron, Dwayne Wade. He's not coaching. He can't he coach. Been. He was an assistant who just got the job and all he's doing is, is being a yes man to LeBron. But now oh, no. look at what he's done, Bob. Is he one of the top five coaches in the game right now? If you were to say, uh, is Spolster one of your, your top five coaches? Does he make the cut or no? I got him as my sixth man. Are you sixth man? You couldn't get him <laughs> but, in there. I mean, it's hard. I mean, you know, here's what do do we put do we include Pop or do we just put him in his own category? Class. His own category. The, no, you got to include him. He's an active coach. Then, we right, put him so, at one. So do you want me? To, do you want my list now? I want your list now. 
right. And it's not easy. And I'm not going to go to the mattress with this. This is, you know, but I got Pop one. Yeah. I got Steve Kerr. I got Doc. Yeah. I have Rick Carlisle. Yep. And I got Mike D'Antoni. And then I got a second, the second, my bench. My leading my bench is Spolstra. Yep. Brad Stevens. Yep. Budenholzer. The guy called Elmer Gantry, because if you see, if you, if you saw the movie and the curl, the frantic look, Quinn Snyder is Burt Lancaster, <laughs> it's Elmer Gantry. Go look it up. It's hilarious. I call him Elmer Gantry. You got Elmer Gantry and you got Terry Stotts. All right. So that's my, there's my 10. So, so, again, pop one, no argument. Zero. Steve Kerr, two, no argument <laughs> to me. I mean, he's won three titles in six years. I know he's had Hall of Famers. I that's get it. it. But managing people is, is half the battle, and there's nobody better. There's nobody better in the league to me than, than Steve Kerr at that. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. You had Doc at three? Three. Yeah. I'm, I I'm think not, I'd go Spolster at three. I'm not going to the, on to the mattress. Fine. Okay. Go ahead. That's three. Titles. Two titles, and he's done it with talent and really kind of without talent and, and overachieved with, right. without talent or without elite-level talent. So – I might go Spolster three. I'd go Doc four. Mm-hmm. And then, then five is a major toss-up for me between I'll give the three guys, uh, Carlisle, uh, Bud, and Brad Stevens. And, and I know people are going to say, well, you're a homer. You're putting Brad Stevens in there. Uh, they were terrible last year, but that dude has overachieved every other year. When we look back at those two teams that went to the Eastern Conference Finals years yeah. from now, and we look at those names – uh, we're going to say, how the hell did that guy get that team that far? No, I think he certainly is in, in, in this discussion. I don't think any too many people would, would disagree with it. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the when I look at the complete roster, by the way, of NBA coaches. Boy, there's a lot of stump, a lot of stump stumpers in there for people. People that, you know, a lot of guys that are you know, like, you know, t- I mean, Taylor Jenkins, you know, people don't know who he is. Lloyd Pierce, people don't know who he is uh, on it. There's, there's, there's a few more that people don't know who he is. I me ask you about a guy um, that uh, I think is a good coach. And I'm really pleased that the, his team has given him an opportunity to weather the storm. And that's Brett Brown. And I, 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 uh, I'm happy that he's got a chance to coach a good team, and, and that he was right working for people that, that, that you know what, the, you know, they all laughed at, you know, that the, the plan, but the process, you know. But you know what, there was a process. You may, you may not, you might not have liked the process, somebody, but there was one, and 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 it is bearing some fruit. I'm a and, fan of Brett again, and how he deals with people for the most part too, and and I think he's had to weather a tough situation. In which, right, you had Sam Hinkie in the process. And then, oh, by the way, you had the Brian Colangelo train wreck. Oh, oh well, yes. Yes. Right? right. Yes. Of the, burner, of the burner Twitter account here. Uh, yep. Of his oh, wife. yeah. Yep. So yep. he's had to deal with that, plus the personalities of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, which didn't exactly mix. Then he was throwing Jimmy Butler. Now he's finally got, I think, a pretty good locker room with, with Tobias Harris and Al Hortford added to it. Um, they've got their flaws, but I do love Brett Brown. And again, I hope he makes it. And he was another one with Mike D'Antoni. It was probably coming into the year. Which coach is going to get fired first? Yeah. A lot of people had them now, as the favorites. Now we have to have, I have to offer a full disclosure for people, uh, you know, and that I am, and you probably are too, somewhat proprietary towards a guy whose roots are in Maine. <laughs> 
and and who played for dad up in Maine and who's got Boston University connections. And so, yeah, folks, I'm a little bit biased toward in favor of Brett Brown, but I do think that that he deserves the benefit. I'm glad that they gave him the benefit of the doubt and he still has that job. I want to throw two names at you because you you get around more than I at the moment that I it's I sense are very uh, uh, admired and popular among insiders. Steve Clifford. Yep. Yep. And He's Kenny. Atkinson. Job. And Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, I mean Kenny Atkinson. Keep your eye on them when they get if they get healthy this year. If they, you know, right, Levert's been hurt and yep. Dinwiddie's now hurt, but if they get healthy, I'm uh, don't sleep on them in the long run. They'd be at least annoyingly good, you know, not a threat or conscious. But I don't think they're they're, they're any a train wreck in any way. The Nets, I think, uh, so with him. So we'll see. Next year's the year to really judge yeah. Kenny Atkinson right. When, right. He, when he has to deal with KD and not deal. I mean, when oh, he's yeah. blessed to deal with KD <laughs> yeah. uh, and Kyrie. And, and see Kyrie, how. And I know, you know, I offer sympathy to anybody within the Kyrie conundrum, you know. So we've, we've discussed that and we, and we will, I'm sure, continue to discuss it as the season is. Bob, are you going to listen? I'm going to be away. When I'll Kyrie be there. Comes back. 27. I think it's November 27th. It's the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah, Kyrie's return is tonight. If he's not load management out of the game, which I already hear he a rumor, not. he might. Bob, he cannot <laughs> blow this game off, can he? I mean, how cowardly would it be if, it if be, Kyrie doesn't play in this game? It would be horrible. I, I know he's got to want to play. He's got to fight to play in this game. But so I'm planning. I'm, I'm going to be there next Wednesday night. Yes, I'll be there. Will you boo him, Bob? Will you? Will you? As no, a fan, will I, you boo Kyrie Irving? My stump speech is that he's not an evil person. He's a complicated person, and we'll we'll let it go with that. <laughs> no, I won't. What boo. will you do? Stand there, I'm not going to boo anybody. Look I'm, around and hey, see what I'm, everybody else. Does. I'll, I'll be in the press row. I'm going to, you know, observe some decorum. You know. <laughs> and, and what do you what do you think? The reception will be from the Bostonians of Kyrie. I, I really don't know. I I, I suspect it'll be mixed. I, I'm, I I I think it'll be uh, Porzingian, Por Por Porzingisian, Porzingisian <laughs> uh, reception. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, you know. I I, I, I it'll. Be, I think you're being kind, Bob. I think you're being kind. I think he gets get, crucified. Think he's I do. Okay. All right. All right. I just think I think everybody flipped on him. You know, so quick. And, and again, his condescension to people, I, yeah. I think I think even the fans, the general fans could see that in, in post-game clips or, or, or wherever they, they watched him. I think they were just done with him. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he gets absolutely uh, crucified. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll find out the next week, next Wednesday night, the 27th, they come to Boston. Well, going from Kyrie to another uh, point guard, a young point guard, who is uh, fun to watch, and that's John Morant oh, from Memphis. The you hit two overall pick, averaging about 18 and six so far, shooting the ball much better from three than I thought he would, although it's a small sample size. Um, this kid is electric. He is so much fun to watch. And here's what what is uh, sets him apart, Bob, is he's got the freak athleticism and the gear that's similar to Russell Westbrook. But he's got the court vision. I compared him to kind of a combination of Westbrook and Mike Conley. He's got the court vision, mm. the ability to make people better like Mike Conley. Now, he does throw it around the gym a little bit too much and take chances. And his turnover numbers will need to be cut down. He'll need to value the ball a little bit more, defend more consistently, all of that. But, man, this kid is so much fun to watch, will be a cornerstone for Memphis. Um, 
I said before the year started, I think John Morant will have a better NBA career, and I know I know I'm going to get crucified again yeah. for it than then, yeah. on Zion Williamson. Am I nuts? No, you're not nuts because we we first of all we you know we're all breathlessly awaiting the debut of, of Zion Williamson. But the questions about him, the technical legitimate questions, exactly how he fits into the NBA uh, role. Uh, will will the body type work against him in the long run? Is it already working against him with three ankles? problems and before he's ever set foot in a regular season game you know is that the issue at all i don't think i don't know i'm just asking just throwing it out there you know what exactly is in the end yeah I, I i can understand that uh you know remember we what we both agree and i think everyone would have agreed he had to be the number one pick because the marketers would have shot you know on fifth avenue as they say uh the uh, the coach and the, and the administrators if they didn't pick him in number one so whoever had number one was was almost duty bound to pick him but john morant i'm glad you pushed that button there uh i'm i'm I joined up. I watched him play the jazz on TV the other night, and I'm I'm now a paid up member of the fan club. Okay, I, I sent my application in and uh, you know my 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 check into the fan club about this kid. I got to talk about the one play that got my attention, which is he's coming down on the break and he's he he goes a million miles an hour and he puts the ball behind his back. Left-handed, he's right-handed, remember. He puts the ball down on his back on the dribble, on off the dribble, transfers to his right hand, and banks in a scoop shot without yeah. another dribble. Now, I, I've never seen a lot of basketball I've seen in a lot of years. I, I don't recall ever seeing anyone do quite that. That, that way, particularly when I know it was his offhand. That was another one. Then he makes another move down the, later on. He's coming down on the break and he takes off from the arc, the, the, the block charge arc, not the you know three-point arc, and and throws it down in, in traffic with an explosion finish that took my breath away and it reminded me of one thing only, which was the youthful Derek Rose, who had that capability. I call it the late life on the fastball equivalent, you know, and uh, uh, he's I think it's so good that he's in that city, which has had, let's face it, an essentially blah franchise. Yeah. I mean, they had a little juice with a little while, you know, but basically when Hubie was there, they had. But it's this is a perfect place to stir excitement. He can, you know, I think it's a good landing spot for the league for him to be in its team to juice up a franchise. And he can do this, I think. Yeah, Zion hopefully comes back here. The timeline, he's been out about a month since that knee, the, the knee surgery. They said uh, six to eight weeks. So we're talking, I bet it'll be closer to eight. I mean, yeah, they're not yeah. going to rush Zion. Oh, they, they have to back. be thousand There's no reason. No, no. they got to be a thousand percent certain that they don't want to have a recurrence in any way based on a, a premature return. No, no way. No, you're absolutely right. But I don't think you're, I'm here to support your premise uh, that uh, you weren't crazy and uh, but <clears throat> about this whole thing. We'll see. But um, I, I'm really, I'm big on Moran. I think this is a, this kid's, and I'm just thinking as we speak about uh, another guy we've talked about. So we got two really good dynamic young players with, with somewhat similar attributes, you know, and that, of course, Trey Young being the other one. And, and, All and, right. Uh, so I'm glad you brought him up. I'm glad you brought Trey Young up because I've always been a Trey Young fan. And I remember talking to him and his dad. Uh, we were at the Final Four and I ran into him in the um, in the hotel, uh, just kind of hanging around. And he was kind of down because. A lot of people, first of all, he was the second best player, considered the second best player on his AAU program. He played with Michael Porter Jr. Okay. And Michael Porter got all the headlines yeah. as the number one player. And a lot of people overlooked Trey because um, he was small. You know, he, he took some crazy shots. You could see some of the talent, but 
it, not like it is today, obviously. So we were talking for a while, and I'm trying to bring his spirits up and say, hey, listen, don't worry about the rankings or any of that crap. It doesn't matter. You start over when you get to college. Mm. And obviously, he took the country by storm. I was there. It was at the PK-80 in Portland uh, when he basically started his college career and started going nuts. And uh, I remember calling somebody at ESPN and saying, hey, listen, we need to get on him now. <laughs> like like we did with, uh, you know, with whoever, KD and whoever it was when they were in, in, in college, he's going to be that electric. And they did. They did fairly quickly. Um, I did not think, Bob, that he would be able to come into the NBA and make the impact he did because of his body. And yeah. his dad kind of agreed with me. You know, when I said it, his dad almost said, yeah, I know he's going to need a year or so to acclimate himself because really we didn't think he was a one and done. Nobody did. So Trey Young, what he's done yeah. um, to establish himself, again, a, a guy that has some Steph Curry-like skills in a sense that he can shoot it from deep and from anywhere. And yeah. he's also got incredible court vision. Now, what he's got to do, I think, is the biggest thing for him is be adequate like Steph has been on the defensive end. Steph was not good early, mm-hmm. and he's turned yeah. into yeah. An above average defender, not a brutal, you know, like yeah. not a, a, you know, guy who's going to hurt you on that end. And if Trey can do that, man, he, he could be the best point guard in the game and, and soon, soon. You know, I was looking up, going back to my rant for a minute. I, I looked him up in last year's Blue Ribbon, just out of curiosity, you know, before his, his uh, come out here at Murray State. You find him? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, he averaged 12 points a game as a sophomore. Uh, but he was a comer, and and he was clearly going to be the best player returning. They lost a couple of guys, but the, uh, his coach talked about his defense as well. He talked about it, you know that, and uh, that they were thinking of him as an asset almost before they were talking about his offense, you know. And but no one expected him to explode to you know to go from 12 points a game as a sophomore in the OVC to what yeah. you're seeing now in the NBA two years later. Nobody was expecting to see that with, with John Moran. So uh, uh, this is great. The infusion of talent like this. It's, it's Good young point guards. That's <clears throat> what we need. I got a quick story for you on Trey too. So I'm, I'm, last year they're playing the Bulls. I went to their shoot around, interviewed him. And I said to him, I said, hey, Trey, you know, um, some people have said that um, Oklahoma's a better team this year without you. Mm-hmm. A year later, they're better. And he looked at me, he said, yeah, some like you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yep, you caught me. I have said that. And, uh, you know, again, the, the one thing was that Oklahoma team a couple of years ago with him, they could score the ball, but they all stood around and watched Trey Young and nobody oh. guarded, uh, where it was kind of the opposite <laughs> last year. And that's where the Hawks have to be better, right? They've got to yeah. learn how to play with Trey He's got to learn how to play with everybody else, keep them involved, and and defensively they've got to step it up, and he does. Yeah, yeah. So no, but they and we we were talking about good coaches earlier, and I think we both agree that they've got a good one. And no doubt, no question. All right, let, let's hit one college topic before right. uh, before we leave, and I, I head to uh, hopefully sunny Charleston. Uh, actually, the, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is actually watching this kid Anthony Edwards who. Mm-hmm. It's sure. in the equation. He, he's like a big, strong, athletic two-guard, Bob, uh, in the kind of Dwayne Wade mm-hmm. uh, mold a little bit. So I can't, I've seen him a little bit on the, on the AU circuit, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He plays for Georgia, so he's going to put up big numbers. Georgia's not very good. Uh, but let's talk about the big story in college basketball, which is Kentucky. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and John Calipari. You know, they beat Michigan State in New York. 
Tyrese Maxey goes crazy. You were talking about him. You, yep. He looked phenomenal that game. Phenomenal. Making shots. Um, and then they come back and they lose to Evansville and good old Walter McCarty. Yes. Good old Walter. Walter, uh, we love him. Tommy Hansen would love him. <clears throat> yep. and, uh, and then they almost lose to Utah Valley and Mark the Mad Dog Madsen's team in his first year. They go right down to the wire and almost lose. And, and they were without two players, two starters, if you want to call them that, because I don't really think anybody's a, a lock starter in this Kentucky team. There's not that much disparity from one to ten. And that's the biggest problem for John Calipari. He's always had a star, always had a stud player for the most part, mm-hmm. other than maybe the year that they went to the NIT, the Nerlens yeah. Noel year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They didn't, and they ended up going to the NIT. Now Nerlens got hurt mid to late season that year. Uh, but this team is underwhelming, completely underwhelming. I don't know who their go-to guy is. It should be Tyrese Maxey, but it's it was, not. After the opening game, we certainly thought it was going to be Maxey. You know, I mean, I, I was babbling about Maxey after that game. There's no question. They, for people who don't know, you, they won 82-74, but there was a one-point game with three minutes to go. That's right. And, <clears throat> uh, and uh, it, it is now already there's, you know, in the wonderful world of Twitter that we live in, uh, they're going crazy out there that uh, about a conspiracy theory that this is all uh, Cal is uh, letting them slide so they can <laughs> dig themselves out of a hole on purpose, you know, for, to learn by adversity, uh, da, da, yep. da, 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 you know, and it's all calculated. Uh, please. I don't think you need this kind of, no. of, of, of adversity. Do you? No, you brought him down to earth with the loss to, to Evansville. You we got thought there. that was going to do it, right? Didn't we assume that was going to be it? That would be the catharsis. That right away, okay, game two. Uh, okay, guys, you got you, you, they were humbled. You got them attention and practice, and for it to happen, almost happen again. To to dare I say a lesser, even a lesser, you know, Evansville's at least picked to win the league, I believe. No, uh, no, no, no. Evansville's down the bottom of the. Oh, I'm sorry, they now. were number eight. They were number eight. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. neither I, team. I, no, no. I was, I was thinking about somebody else. I saw. No, no, they were not picked to win the league, of course. Um, but uh, anyway, Utah Valley State. Mark Matson. Well, forgot it. Yes, Stanford lives. Yeah, we forgot about the Mad Dog. But dog anyway, it, you have to laugh at that. But this is inevitable. Was it not inevitable, Jeff, that something like this thought process would crop up, you know, in the world we live in, in the Twitter world, it's inevitable. Somebody's going to come up with a, some Fritz you know, theory. You well, know. especially with Cal. <laughs> yeah. You know, of, of course, it's going to be some Kentucky fan saying, <laughs> yeah, this was all prearranged. Cal wanted to get their attention. No, no. Like I said, he got their attention uh, after the <laughs> Evansville so. loss. They wanted to blow out Utah Valley. They couldn't because, again, down the stretch, they're going with two players, Bob. Ashton Hagens is their point guard, okay? Great defensively but not a score. And he's kind of having to score a little bit and take some shots in the, in the closing minutes, as is Nick Richards, who is really their third best big guy, uh, not overly skilled, hasn't really improved over, you know, all that much in, in his third year now uh, at Kentucky, was a former McDonald's All-American. So now I think, you know, do the Cal critics get after it now, Bob, because this is year 10. I believe this is year 10 or 11. I think it's 10. And, He's only won one uh, title. Now, K's won two in the last 10 years. Jay Wright has won two in the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> the last four years. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm just going in the decade, but you're yeah, right. You're absolutely yeah. right. So so is Cal now at a point where Kentucky fans, if, if they have another year, which I don't think they will, and I said this to Kentucky fans of Big Blue Nation, settle down because as bad as you guys look, and you look like garbage right now, 
the overall landscape in college basketball is is very underwhelming, and there's not a dominant team. And Cal does have a young team, and once they get healthy, um, they'll get better over the course of the year. They'll be in the yeah. top ten. Um, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't worry that much. But are they a team that can win six straight? You look at it now, and you say, no way in hell. I want. I have wondered at times in the last couple of years when the Big Blue Nation, when and if they might get antsy about this, when, when if year after year they're they're getting a top three, four, five, one, one to five class. They're reloading. They're having, uh, uh, they're winning 30 plus, but they're not getting it done in the end. Uh, and ex- except the one time. And, and, and if that, if they're going to get antsy, it, it's inevitable. May, maybe that their expectation level. It's just like you, you realize that at halftime of the Alabama uh, LSU game, that the Twitter world down there was going crazy about Nick Saban. And to the extent that get rid of Nick Saban, you know, because I'm serious. And that so, was uh, someone po- wonderful. Someone posted it uh, on Twitter, Twitter, four tweets immediately about, you know, we had enough of Nick. So if that can happen, <clears throat> anything can happen. Right. And in, in this crazy world of, of, of passionate world of college sports. And uh, but so I'm sure there's some people saying we deserve we need more <clears throat> a bigger bang for our buck in the blue nation but i'm with you in terms of they they, their mo is almost annually they get better no matter what no matter how good they are they always get better he'll they'll get better and uh but but it's 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 scary you know it's scary for them i mean this is embarrassing really oh by the way i do i I know what i was thinking about just so you know uh about picking who was number one i saw belmont Upon your recommendation, I went to see BC Belmont on Saturday. And uh, by the way, the big kid, Mazinski, didn't even start. He must be something going on. He was strange. He played limited minutes, was no factor whatsoever. But Adam Kunkel, who never heard of him, comes in averaging two. Well, if you look in the preseason, he's he's just another guy. He's just another guy, might get time. Guess what? They play three games now. He's going 20 plus, 20 plus, and 35 against BC. He's a six foot two, three guard who who was a combination jump shooter, uh, nice drive to the hoop. Belmont was picked number one in in, the, in their league, and 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 uh, they're in and they're they looked like you know they reloaded. They lost a couple of players, including an NBA player, but they're going to be trust me, they're going to be fine. It's going to be another big year for Belmont. BC can't be losing to Belmont at home if Jim Christian wants to continue as the coach beyond this year. Well, Bob. but you and I know that it, it only an ignorant fan of people that are less sophisticated and understand that Belmont losing to Belmont is no disgrace. No, but, no, know, no, it's but, not. But if you're BC, you still have to beat yeah. them at home again. Yes, right. If you want to keep your job, if you want to, you know, finish in the top, you got to finish probably in the top right. eight, nine, oh. and 10 in the ACC yeah. to have a chance. I just don't see this. And I'm not going to waste a lot of time on no. this pod about Boston College basketball. No, no, people, no. Nobody gives a you-know-what about it. Um, but but I just, I don't see that this program is heading in the in the right direction right. at all. And uh, I don't know how many games I'm going to go to at Boston College basketball, Bob, but it won't be many. Well, I want, you know, there's always the opponents, you know. You, right. Uh, uh, both the current number one and two AP ranked teams will be coming to BC right now, Duke and Louisville. So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's that to, to look forward to. Okay, that'll be nice. <laughs> All right, well, let, let, let's get out of here um, on that, Bob. And and uh, thanks for joining us. Another edition of the Good and Plenty podcast is in the books. Uh, are you off next week, Bob? Uh, no, week after. Wait, I'm, week a, after. I'm around next week. I'll, I'm right, definitely so with you next week. We got. I'll be in. Uh, we'll have. Well, we'll be doing it. I'm going to be at my brother-in-law's in in Ashburn, Virginia. So, and it's loud there. 
There's going to be a lot of kids, everything. So it's going to be a, it'll be an interesting pod to see how we, we pull that thing off. But I'll have some, I'll, I'll give you some, some good uh, uh, restaurant reviews. I, I just got to see. The problem is I'm going to be in Charleston at games all day. Four games Thursday, four games Friday. Saturday's an off day. I'm wondering if any of these restaurants will deliver to the arena. Yeah. Well, maybe we can maybe some put, put in a good word for you. Somebody can do that. I got to try something. All so, right. all right. Well, listen, okay. uh, appreciate it. We'll see you next week on the Ryan and Goodman podcast. Uh, thanks again for joining us. This is Jeff Goodman, host of the Good and Plenty podcast on the CLNS Media Network. We've got two podcasts. Every Tuesday, we've got the NBA edition. Anyway, I've known Boogie a long time, and I like him now. We didn't get along forever. Hold on, ago. man. Hold on. Since you're you bringing up Boogie, yeah. Yeah. Jeff, have you told the story you you and Boogie's interaction a few times? That would make for golden podcast material right there. When, when, when he cornered me coming out of STK in, in Vegas. And- Every Thursday, we've got the College Hoops Edition, where you'll find the top coaches, players, media people. You get insight that you will not find anywhere else. So subscribe to the Good and Plenty Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.